In the holy name of Jesus, amen. Why are you a Christian? Why are you here today? I want you to think about that question very seriously, just for a brief moment with me here today. Why are you here? Why did you decide to get up this morning and come to this place? Why is it that you call yourself a Lutheran or a Christian? And maybe even more so, what are you looking to get out of things today? I could sit down with all of you and I'm sure I would probably get a whole myriad of answers. And I'm sure many of them would have very good thoughts and passion behind them all. This is how I was raised. I've always been a Lutheran. I was born and raised as a Lutheran. This is always where I've wanted to be because of the customs and the traditions and the way things are done here. I've always been a Christian because I believe that Jesus is the Son of God and he seemed to be pretty nice and he was loving and kind and compassionate to people. But why are you a Christian? Out of everything that you could do and follow and be today, why do you still hold on to this? What is there that I can offer you today that would make you say, yes, that's really why I'm here. Yes, this really strengthens my faith. Yes, this is absolutely what I firmly believe and place all of my hope and my trust in. No pressure, Pastor. But seriously, the last two years for the life of the church at large has really made a lot of people step back and think about this and this place and what this is all about. We've seen the world turn upside down on its ear. We've had fear. We've had panic. We've had all of these questions going on. We've been closed. We've been open. We've had masks. We've not had masks. Now there's things like war going on. There's horrible prices and inflation going on. And it seems like over and over again, we cannot catch a break. Are we coming in here because we somehow think that Jesus is going to solve the gas prices? Or that Jesus is going to bring about peace to Russia and Ukraine? Or that Jesus somehow is going to make your life just a little bit better, a little bit calmer, a little bit quieter, a little bit more peaceful? You were here last Sunday. Did you have any turmoil questions, anger, fear, frustrations this past week? Yeah. You were here two weeks ago, three weeks ago, six years ago, whatever it might be. Has anything ever changed other than the fact that maybe you've gotten a little older? Maybe you've noticed that things in this life are not going exactly the way you had anticipated. Maybe your marriage is deteriorating. Maybe your workplace where you used to work is now no longer occupied by people because they're all working from home. Maybe you're just not sure what tomorrow is going to bring. 
And so as you come in here and call yourself a Christian today, what can God do for you? I've got about five hours. We can line everybody up in the hallway here. Or even better, in many ways as a pastor, I'll be quite frank and honest with you, I really wish the Son of God himself would just show up. And I could sit down with all of you and let him feed me along with you with what it is that he wants to tell us. And it doesn't help that in our day and age, the Christian religion has become more and more about the individual rather than the community. And this past two years have elevated that in a great way. I can watch TV at home in my pajamas with my bagels and fast forward through all the hymns and the readings and listen to the sermon and be on my merry way with church. I can be a Christian because I know that God exists. I can be out on the boat, in the golf course, wherever it is. Jesus and I, we're good. We're just fine. Is that really all this is about? Because if it really is, if this is just about some big guy in the sky motivating you to live a little bit better of a life or some great teacher to show you what it means to be loving and compassionate, which he says you should do, if this is really all about self-help and trying to make your life just a little bit better, I ain't the guy who can do this. Because quite frankly, I'm not motivated myself a lot anymore these days. I don't know about you, but I'm tired. I'm tired and I'm worn out. And I'm sure you are as well. And you're probably thinking, boy, pastor's going to like jump off the cliff here in front of us today. That's not the case. But these texts here today, I'll be honest with you, I read these texts over and over this week and I don't really know what to say about them other than this. Jesus shows up in the temple. He had just done a lot of miraculous things, healing the sick and the blind and the lame, all these things that we color on in our Sunday school coloring books and the children regularly think, yes, this happened. And yet you, as I, you and I as adults are like, oh, this is so cute, it's so nice, but it doesn't really seem to happen. He does this, and he encounters the chief priests, the scribes, and the Pharisees, a.k.a. the clergy, the religious experts. And Jesus doesn't come along with the religious experts and basically say, What can I do for you? How can I help you? I want to be your best friend, your bosom buddy, your pal. I hope that you're just all right with me. What Jesus does today is he speaks the plain, honest truth of who he is and what it means to follow him. If God were your father, you would love me, for I came from God, 
and I am here. Jesus is not just any other schmo. He is not just a prophet or a nice guy or a bosom buddy. He is the true Son of God in flesh and blood. If I stood up here today before you and said, I'm the Son of God. I came from God. And if you don't believe that I truly came from God, then you're going to hell. What would you say? This guy has really lost it. He's off his rocker. What in the world's he talking about? This is like what Jim Jones, we're going to start drinking Kool-Aid and all these other things. What in the world is happening here? And yet that's what Jesus says. And he says to them, why don't you understand me? Why don't you listen? And he simply says, it's because you cannot bear to hear my word. Now the word that he's talking about here is not like some of the parables or the other nice stories, David and Goliath and Noah and the ark and some of these other things that we selectively put in front of us and even our kids to make us feel just a little bit better about who we are and that if you just have enough faith, God will see you through this and you'll be victorious and life will be better, your checkbook will be fatter and all these other things will just take place and God will bless you with great power and might. I can just feel his presence here today. No. I don't know about you, but I don't feel that. Life stinks. Life stinks in so many ways, not only for you, but for so many other people. And I want you to go back to the very core of what Jesus says here today. Whoever believes in me will never taste death. That's it. It's not health, wealth, and finances. That is not exactly why Jesus has come. He has come to take on the great equalizer amongst us. I'm one step closer to the grave today than I was yesterday, and so are you. And last I checked, there isn't an app that says, My Death. And where you can look up this and say, oh, I've got 36 weeks to live and a few hours and it's slowly ticking away and I've got my bucket list on this app and I'm going to go ahead and do these things. People come, people go, people live, people die. Death knows no age amongst any of us. And that should tell us all right there who we are. You deserve this. You deserve death, and so do I, and so is everybody else in this life and in this world. Well, that's not very motivating and very helpful, Pastor, but yes, the reality is, is that we can't shake death. You can't freeze yourself like some people have tried to do. We can't take magic pills or whatever else it is to extend all of this. I knew a lady in California who lived to 107 years old. Gladys Hahn was her name. Sweetest lady. 
one of the most faithful Christians I have ever met. Every time I would go see her, she would look at me and simply say, why am I still here? Why? I want to go home in the world's worst way. I wanted to go home 20 years ago, Pastor, and here it is. And everybody, well, you're 107. You've, you've lived for so long. It's not glorious. It's not grand. It's 107 years in a sin-filled world. She had seen grandchildren die. Whoever believes in me shall never taste death. Whoever keeps my word shall never experience death. And do you notice how the clergy today respond? You're of the devil. You are of the devil, Jesus. You absolutely are. You're not even a Jew. You're a Samaritan. You're a half-breed. You're not even of the house of Israel. And the more that Jesus speaks about the plain truth of what it means to be a Christian, the more enraged and angry they get. I don't think I have seen a coloring page from CPH showing the Pharisees with large stones getting ready to throw at Jesus. He came to that which was his own, and his own would not receive him. So why are you here? I can't answer that question for you specifically. What are you looking for from here? I can't answer that question for you. Maybe you've been disappointed by how things have turned out since we've kind of come back together. Maybe you've looked at it and said, things are just not the same anymore. Things are not the way that they used to be. This is not the same church. This is not the same world and community that we live in. But there is one thing that still remains true and the same. Death. Death. It does not take a vacation. It doesn't recede. It doesn't, we don't see a time where it says, there are less people dying in the world than there are in other times. No, it just keeps ramping up. This is why Jesus today speaks plainly to you and to me the truth of what it means to be here. Your life is full of messes. My life is full of messes. Everybody's life is full of messes. We all have our pains, our aches, our sorrows, our suffering, our questions. And yet, no matter how big or little they might seem to you or to others, we are all headed to the grave. And yet, Jesus comes along and says, You know that great equalizer called death? I've taken care of it. Take this pill. Follow this way and you'll be... No! He himself takes on death itself. He himself goes to be crucified for the sins of the whole world. He himself takes on your sin, your shame, your guilt, all of your problems, and he says, throw them all onto me. Let me have every last one of your sins, your problems, your confusion, your anger... 
you cannot have them, they are mine. And he puts them to death and he walks out of the empty tomb alive three days later. Well, that seems kind of hard to believe, but there are over 500 witnesses according to the scriptures. Even somebody like Josephus, the Jewish historian, who was not even a Christian, gives testimony as to the fact that Jesus was seen alive walking after his death. It sounds a little preposterous. It sounds like a purple horse with yellow polka dots. It sounds a little too good to be true. But if it is true, if everything that you have heard here today is true, what does it mean? This isn't about trying to prove this. This isn't about trying to say, well, we just hope that you kind of understand what this is. This is more about even the simpler message of what Jesus says. I have destroyed death. That's why I've come. It's your biggest problem, death. And because of my righteousness, you shall no longer die, but live. Yes, you will die physically unless Jesus returns before then, but even then you've already died in your baptism according to Romans chapter 6. You have died with him and resurrected with him so that the first death has already taken place in your baptism the second death has no power over you. No matter how many times we're trying to get away from the grave, not think about it, not talk about it, not even try to look at this from the perspective of this is where we're headed, Jesus says it's lost, it's victory. Death, where is your sting? Grave, where is your victory? This is the greatest thing that we could ever hear. It's not more money, it's not more health, it's not more success or whatever else. It's something even greater. You will never die. And that's really what it means to be here. Yes, the problems, the frustrations, the pains of life are going to continue. I can't give you a quick fix to them. Because if I could, I'd already be doing it. And even more so, the devil is prowling around us like a roaring lion, seeking to take you away from Christ's victory over death, to make you live in fear and in confusion. Did God really say this? And Jesus today, in your hearing, has spoken the plain truth. He is the great I Am in flesh and blood. He comes to you this day with his real presence. Wherever two or three are gathered in my name, there I am. This is not about what you're doing for God today. This is not even about a matter of what we've always done. It's always been this way, this tradition, this custom, whatever else it is. This is about God coming to you with his presence through his word and through his meal to strengthen you in your faith. Well, what faith? Faith in what? I have overcome death. And if you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, everything else will be added unto you. 
That's not a matter of material wealth and happy friendships and relationships and everything else. It's simply a matter of a change of heart and a change of view of why we're here. You come in here today and say, death has got no victory over me. Death has no power over me because Christ is risen from the dead. And the world looks at this and says, you guys are nuts. You're cuckoo. You're crazy. But if this is true, if this is truly what God has spoken and done for you and for me, look through all of the irrational, look through all of the arguments that try to bring this down and see the Son of God, your Savior, lifted high on the cross to take on your death and my death and the sins of the whole world so that as he dies, he may look at you and say, you are here so that you may live. To Christ alone be the glory forever and ever. Amen.